Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for your goodness in Spring of Life. Thank you that we are in a safe place, a place of refuge, a place of covering, where we honor fathers, both biological and spiritual, and that that is your heart, where the blessing flows from that relationship. We pray, Father God, that we might abide and dwell in a place of correction, a place of exhortation, a place that we can say, Abba, Father, that we're no longer orphans, that we're no longer prodigal sons. We have returned to the Father's house, and we desire the Father's pleasure, and we live for the Father's glory. We pray, Father God, that you give us the insight to this reality, not only theologically, Lord, that we know it in our head, but that we would bring it down to our heart, and it would be our worship and our practice. It would be our reality. We pray that you prosper your word in the hearts of your people, and that uh, we might see the glories that follow. We praise your name. We glorify you. We celebrate Jesus and his conquest and victory in the cross, being crucified for our transgressions, being bruised for our iniquity, the despising aspect of everything rebellious went upon him so that we might be reconciled and restored. We pray that you would heal our broken hearts and that we would feel the Father's embrace and smile and that we might bask in the light of his glory, Lord. We give you thanks and we ask that you bless and prosper your word in our hearts that we not sin against you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, we, we don't know and it hasn't been explained like it should in the church house, um, but everything emanates. If we go to Colossians 1.18, um, we, we see as, as Jesus Christ is the head over all things, his body, and a right perspective to the head is what we need in order that we might obtain and experience everything God has for us. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, which is the church. This is, this is one of the, the great mysteries and, and lack of clarity, the mysteries that are held in present day that Jesus is the head over the body, and in order for us to know what that is, it's the church. That's the body. And he is, from the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So it was God who intended from the first that man would be a son and not just a created being. Uh, the relationship that Adam was supposed to enjoy with the father was missed. So the last Adam had to come and repair that which was not able to have existed from the beginning. So Jesus is the firstborn uh, amongst those that are disconnected, the dead or the separated, that in all things he might have preeminence so that everything God intended for there to be an expression upon the earth which we have not seen or we might not have not looked for, um, 
is seen in this relationship between Jesus and his relationship with the Father. And that he might have the supremacy. Um, there's no greater existence upon the earth than being a faithful son. We, we can't understand the, the, the expressions of that. And, and the opposite is true. There's no greater travesty upon the earth than having a disconnect with the Father. And so... Uh, in regards to fathers, like my father just explained, uh, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your sons, and the declaration of evil, uh, you who have been wayward and twisted in explaining the father's heart, uh, know how to bring good things into the lives of your children. Imagine when you line up um, as a father or when you line up as a son. Um, I want to suggest to you, let's go back to Colossians 1.18, that in this relationship, you might have everything that, that is in the realm of preeminence, supreme. The expression of who you are and exist upon the earth, if you follow the character of Christ and being a faithful son, is that God is able to lead you to the place of the very top. Not, not just amongst the top, but the very top the expression of being able to champion sonship. Uh, and this is in the relationship of fathers. So um, keep this in mind because it's a dual relationship. Uh, we are all sons of our father in heaven. That, that is never going to change. And for a lot of expressions, sons feel that sonship is just for a season. Well, I was a son long enough, so now it's time that uh, you have problems, my son. You have problems because you're always going to be a son. And your heart should always be one of honoring the Father. And, and that difficulty allows you to miss out on the supremacy of the call that God has upon your life. So you could argue for the rest of your life and be an Esau and be bitter and think that other things require more promptness. Uh, the Bible says that Esau despised his inheritance. He didn't see it as it mattered. So he gave it away. And um, I, I pray that even as we share this morning that you reclaim the vastion, that, that desolate wilderness be readopted as you receive the spirit of the Lord this morning. Because the spirit of the Lord allows you not to be an orphan. He says, I don't leave you as orphans. I'll send my spirit. And a right fulfilling uh, a right measure of the spirit of God in your life is going to make you fall undone to be able to confess Abba Father. That's what it says in Romans 8.15. Uh, 8, um, there, let's go to there, Romans 8.15. You're not receiving a spirit that holds you back captive. Again, because of fear, you, you know, what's going to be the consequence of my surrender is, is the concern of many people. But you receive the spirit of adoption. I, I recall even as, as the Lord is calling me to Jesus Christ, how uh, I characterized his beckoning my heart as wanting to bring me under his rule uh, to enslave. But a father doesn't enslave. A father does not take advantage from his sons. 
See, when, when you don't have a proper perspective of who the father is, you think, well, uh, I'm serving his interest. Um, a son will understand that a father has no interest but the son's interest and prosperity and blessing. But if you're sick, you can't do that. You can't release. You can't surrender. But we receive a spirit of adoption. And, and that one of the most powerful things of adoption is that you become full on a legitimate heir. Woo! That's good preaching. I'm going to say like Wellington Boone says, my preaching is better than your amen this morning. You get adopted and you come under the spirit of that, that reality. And all you're saying is, I'm a real son. I'm a legitimate son. I don't have to perform. I don't have to pretend. I, I, get, I get the provisions. So here it is in Psalm 89, verse 27, another verse that I found um, where the declaration of the Father in wanting to make you a... 8727. And wanting to make you a legitimate son is because he has a place of high honor for you. That's where you put sons. I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. That's, that's where God is. That's the supremacy. That's, that's he wants to crown you at that level. Um, with great promotion comes great responsibility. And uh, now you... You represent the kingdom, the kings of the earth, the highest of the kings of the earth. You represent the house of your father who establishes a throne and, and sits you. And that's where Jesus sat. He says, if you overcome like I've overcome, you'll sit on my father's throne as I have overcome and sat upon my father's throne. So all this is tied into it. And there will always be a weeping and a, uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. There will always be a weeping of those sons who cannot release themselves to that reality, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of God's goodness and roots of bitterness start coming in and trouble you and you're, you're disconnected and defiled. You see how when, when you're not under that shadow and that relationship, there's a lot of things that come. We see Cain in Genesis where he gets bitter and the Lord says, why do you have that bitter face on? And, and it's only the reason, there's only one reason for it. Uh, you're not walking in the excellence of your surrender. Uh, it's, it's, it's not real like it was in Abel's life. So here, verse 16, falling short of this grace causes roots of bitterness. In Hebrews 12, 16, it says that... Um, be careful that there not be one who wants intimacy without responsibility. You want, you want the goods, but you do not want the consecration. And, and, and this is a profane person. This is a person that's going outside of honor. That's what profane talks about. When you cease to have the genuineness of honor... Like Esau, who, when he had something outside of his birthright, was more attractive, he was gone. And, uh, and we were talking about that this weekend also. That some people have a relationship with God as a son for what they get out of the relationship. 
And, and there's other people, and this is, this is one lesson that I learned from Nicholas, my son, when he turned 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. He says, Dad, up, in this, up until this point, I was good when you gave me a treat, and I stopped being bad when you disciplined me. Listen to this dynamic of a son. I would behave and do what you liked because I wanted a treat. And I didn't do bad things, not because I didn't want to, but because I was scared you were going to spank me. But from this day forward, I'm not going to do it for the good or the bad. I'm going to do it for your honor. I don't want a relationship with God because of the good things he brings. I don't want to not do the bad things because of the trouble I'm going to get into. I'm going to do it because of his honor. And when he said those words, I saw maturity. And I saw a son like Jesus. So this gentleman here is just moving and swaying and playing tricks. Verse 17 says that he got to the place where afterwards he wanted the blessings of honor to be an heir, but he was rejected. There was no place to receive an inheritance when you dishonor. And, and we live in a generation where people don't know how to honor. They do not know how. He wanted to receive the supremacy. He wanted to receive the place of prominence, but wasn't been able to attain it, nor was there found any place for him to turn his heart, though he sought it diligently with tears. So that, that is a, a real gruesome place to be, and I, I don't desire that for anybody. I don't desire regret to be in the heart of any of God's sons. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says that all things will be coming to an end. That when it is all said and done, the son will surrender the kingdom to the father. As soon as everything is put, all the names... When, when everything is transferred in this inheritance to the son, what he's going to do is surrender it to the father. Now, we know what the prodigal son did. He ran with all things, and he depleted those resources, and, and that's not a good place to be in. When he delivers the kingdom to the father, when he puts an end, when, when everything is said and done and everything is in the son's rule and authority and power he's going to lay it at the father's feet and verse 25 says for he must be in a place of authority until all his enemies are under his feet so so these dynamics are are vast 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 um when we went into cuba we weren't talking theology we weren't talking to the church we're talking about men that would raise up to take their nation. That's powerful. 
It wasn't a preaching. It wasn't a sermon that they had a good time at church. It was responsibility over their lives, their marriages, their families, their children, their neighborhoods, um, their country. And then the responsibility that they have to walk as sons of God before other nations. To not be known by the sugar crop or the tobacco but, or the coffee, but to be known by the character of excellence of their Father in heaven. So this, we, we think... We think that we're hearing things that we are hearing for the first time, but, but God wrote this into his word from the beginning. In uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, he's been speaking this reality since the beginning. Uh, those of us who have missed it and were listening in the spirit for the first time today understand that we could go back 4,000 years and these words were written there. God spoke all these words. God has been speaking these things from 4,000 years ago. Um, we're not going to be able to hear these things if we're not pursuing them. The depth of your understanding comes when you stand under. If you don't have an under understanding, you don't get these things is because you're missing it. Uh, the words that, that Pastor Stockstill spoke was, Alignment uh, comes from the word lineage, and it is passed down from a father to a son. And those that aren't sons will never be in alignment to the inheritance. So there, God spoke all these words, and he spoke to his people that the premises of blessing were keeping the order of God. And that's where he announces the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are all in relationship to God. So we know that, that it makes for an incredible presence to honor God in verse 2, where he says, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the Lord your God. You're not going to have anyone else before me. You're not going to have anyone else before me. You shall have no other gods. And then he says, you shall not make for yourself idols, which is commandment number two. Verse, uh, chapter 20, verse four. First commandment, you shall have no other gods. Number two, you shall not make for yourself anything that even remotely looks like a god. You're not going to lift up an idol. Um, when you lift up an idol... To serve it instead of God, it destroys you. So for many people, identifying what those idols are, wherever you spend your time, your treasure, your talent, that's your idol. And Billy Graham says that you can tell a man who serves God because his pocketbook lays down his treasure before his God. So if your business is receiving the most of your time, your talent, and your treasure, then that's your idol. And, and that's going to destroy your blessing, your time that you should be giving God. Um, the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 7. That's number 3. 
First one, you shall have no other God. Second one, you don't make idols. Third one, don't take my name in vain. And then number four, remember the Sabbath in verse eight to keep it holy. So these four commandments give you a right relationship in respect of God. And the first four have to do with you and God. But number five determines everything else that happens upon the earth. And it's honor your father and your mother. This is God no longer talking about glory. Now he's talking about honor. And honor allows you to experience glory. Our lives would be filled with God's glory if we learned how to honor. And so that fifth commandment is there on this day called Father's Day so that we might both honor our Father in heaven, our Father on earth, our spiritual fathers, everything that has an expression. I'm receiving phone calls today from all sorts of people, uh, a lot of them a lot older than myself. Uh, this morning, a gentleman called me. He said, I was like, you know, I'm not your father. And he says, you're my father. You're like a father to me. You speak into my life like someone who cares that I would receive correction and instruction. Um, I don't know. In, in our house, just to bring it down a little bit, um, there's always a curiosity amongst my children when I speak into their lives. Why, why are you talking to me? Why, why did you say that to me? And my response in the last 10 years has been, because there's a father in this house. That's a great answer. I hope you use it. And you allow your kids to know that there's a lot of places that don't have a father. But when there's a father in the house, you stand up and you, you draw that line between right and wrong and good and bad and indifferent. And, and how awful it is when, when a father stands up and addresses a son and says, you're out of line. And he says, well, what are you doing? And then you can say, there's a father in this house. And instead of you dropping your bottom lip, throwing a tantrum, start honoring him. Start growing attentive. This is one of the things that, that I... I think saved my life because it was the very first verse that God spoke into my life. The very first, first thing in my life was Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. I mean, God, God didn't have to deal with me as a murderer, as a thief, as a liar, as a womanizer, as a pervert, however you want to describe your moral failure and propensities. But he spoke to me straight across the heart. Your issue is a father issue. And you should obey your dad. In the Lord, for this is right. This is, this, is, this is the DNA of righteousness. And the Lord pierced my heart in such a degree that maybe for a second I could have justified and says, no, nah, everything I'm going through is because my father doesn't understand me. Uh, fathers were not meant to be under your stand. You were to understand them. And so I said, Lord, I don't care what my father's doing or why he's doing it or how he's doing it. It's my responsibility to honor him. Amen. For everything to go well with me and for me to live a long life. So God had to pierce me 
and the very center of my rebellion and disobedience and the very fact that was gonna disconnect me with the purpose of God in my life. So he had to take me here to Ephesians 6, 1 and now 6, 2, where he says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it might be well with you and you may live a long life upon the earth. So these two things were uh, non-negotiables in receiving everything that God had for me. And it's, it's, it's that commandment number five that is going to determine all other things in your life. All other pursuits will be determined in your capacity to honor. And, and so we don't know what honor is. There used to be a time where men used to say, give me honor or give me death. I'd rather die than not to be able to inherit <clears throat> the things that God has for me and the things that I was created for. Uh, the way that, that Pastor Larry Stockstill describes it, he says that there's something in the physical world called the law of gravity. And that yesterday, even as we were returning from Texas, we went into this place called I Fly, where they, they have a, a room and they just, they, they lock gravity out. And people start, and they're like, and they're going, and we're like, they're going to bang their head. And there's a guy catching them and bringing them back and not letting them have the effects of what non-gravity does. Because right now, if, and this is how Pastor Larry said, if, if there was a button in this room and we just pressed it and gravity got lost, you're, ooh, your, your glasses would leave, all the women's hair would be up, the dresses would be up. It would be a scene. It would be a vulgar scene. It would be a vulgar scene. And he says that honor is the gravity of heaven. And whenever you don't honor, the expressions are vulgar. The attitudes are super out of line. And we begin to suffer what we were never meant to experience. And so, he said it like this. He said, that honor was designed by God to hold every relationship in its proper place. And without honor, we have a toxic state of affairs where men have ceased to honor God and have ceased to honor one another. So everything upon the earth that is suffering right now is a result of a earthly existence without honor being called by God to the place of honor in this Exodus 20, fifth commandment. That the place of being able to honor a father becomes the healthy climate that builds a character to be able to honor your wife, to honor your marriage. Because if you didn't know how to honor your father's house, you'd never be able to honor your own house. He who sows dishonor will reap dishonor. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap. So when you start in the first four commandments to align yourself with honoring God by a right relationship with God, then it gives you the capacity to honor all other things. And everything else, I want to tell you that um, the expression of our worship begins to bring to our life the establishment of all things in its proper place. 
God establishes his kingdom and his resources based on the capacity that we have to honor these resources. And that's why religion becomes the most meaningless thing upon the earth. Because it's a pretend honor. To be able to honor God in our service to him, in our prayers, in our giving to God, it's not a monetary thing. A lot of people don't tithe and don't offer God because for them it's like, I'm going to run out of money. Listen, I guarantee you one thing. That when you use what God has given you to give it its highest place of honor, God says, I'm going to honor those who honor me. He's never going to allow that to falter. Uh, We see this there in... In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, where these guys are playing with the, their offerings and with their tithings, and they're, they're doing things that are totally twisted. Therefore, the Lord God says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. I had supremacy. I had high places that they would inherit. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. There's no way I'm going to allow you to sit in a place of honor. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who are playing around with my honor and despise me shall be lightly esteemed. I I, I teach when we go to these nations that you have an opinion and your father has an opinion. But when you raise up your father's opinion above yours, that's called honor. And when you're bickering around and you're playing with what he's telling you, you're you're holding him common and that's a dishonor. And I really believe that that when we are able to have that expression, we're going to come to a place of of incredible uh, prominence in the things of the Lord. So it was when we honor God in our tithes and offering not as a commercial economic things are tight pastor I think I'm not going to be honoring God this month this year is different than last year pastor so I, I can't be you know honoring God like I did last year Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 he says that that bringing honor to our sacrifice to our offerings to our possessions honor the Lord with your possessions Uh, last week Wellington Boone was talking about honoring the pastor with his house you won't regret it it's good seed it's good ground it's favorable returns with the first fruit of all your increase some guys are trying to get 3% 4% on their money when this whole economic bubble was taking place I was telling our leadership here in church that the best place to sow an investment is the kingdom of God not in the houses that they lost in the stock market, the horrendous amounts of numbers that were lost by fools who thought that it was an opportunity to play the field. But they missed out on that opportunity and the devil lost for them hordes of wealth and provision. 
Honor the Lord with your possessions. What you have in your possessions. Man, I, I cannot have a wonderful amount of money that I'm not putting towards the kingdom of God. Cannot. Because I know that that's good ground. And I know my Father in heaven is not going to miss a beat knowing those who honor him on the earth. Knowing the sacrifice. Knowing the incredible says the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10. What happens when you honor the Lord with your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That talks to me about a lot of joy. There's nothing like new wine that brings joy to the harvest. Your barns will be filled with plenty. There will not be no lack Honor becomes the premise to everything else we do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. In everything, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Start letting the gravity of honor begin to govern your relationships. Verse 13. If you submit to honor and to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, verse 14, whoever is in authority, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. One of the things, and the praise of those who do good, this, this I, I want you to underline this. You can make it your meditation in days to come. Uh, pa pastor Robert Burdett, who is established as a senior pastor of Powerhouse, said that the most difficult authority he needed to honor the most difficult authority that it was hard for him to honor was delegated authority or where we we go ahead and establish somebody in the sunday school as the leader pastor uh, uh, julio and maida he's delegated authority and you're like he's not the pastor i'm not listening to him when you're not able to honor delegated authority you're dishonoring authority and you could pretend that you're the, you're the heir to the throne. But if you don't have a capacity to know who the lineage of speaking is coming down. And you're trying to play the, the mambo. I don't have to listen to them. We used to have a family in this church of uh, affluent, prominent family. And they said, our grandsons are not going to listen to anybody but the senior pastor. I said, you're going to have to find another church. Because every authority in this house is set according to the kingdom of God with authority Amen. to be able to govern and, and rule and, and, and to, you know, and some people have twisted mindset. Well, I'm family to the pastor, so I don't have to listen to you. Just listen to me. To those who have delegated authority. In fact, I'm going to say this, that that's where honor is shown the greatest. When you're not being talked to by the person, but by the person who's bringing down what the person is saying. And that's where the role of God comes into place in 1 Timothy 5.17. Those who teach and preach, give them double honor. They stand in a place not of ultimate prominent authority. Well, that's the pastor because he has that preference. But if Jesus was here, I would listen to him. No, you wouldn't. You would be the same knucklehead. I use that word because that's what Wellington used. A bunch of knuckleheads. That means they're always getting cocotazos. They're always getting in trouble because they don't have an, uh, they don't see behind the scenes. When Sister Yvette comes and reprimands one of your daughters, one of your sons, and you're like, you can't stand in church like that. Keep on going. Let's not take that off. 
Somebody didn't like that. We're in 517, right? 1 Timothy 5.17. Let those that are elders in the church rule well, who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who are laboring in teaching us the word and doctrine, the established order of affairs in heaven. 1 Peter 2, verse 15, for this is the will of God. The will of God is to be able to listen to those in authority and those to listen in delegated authority that by doing good, you put silence to the ignorant and foolish. Verse 16, as free, yet not being using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants. And look how he finishes here in 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor every person. Because some of us are looking for to be religious. Who do I have to honor? Who do I don't have to honor? You're, you're looking for the person that you could, you know, the father tells the wife, the wife tells the children, the children go kick the dog, and the dog bites the cat. You're looking for where you can kick somebody or let loose some of your ungodliness. Honor all people. Love those that are around you. Give them honor. Fear God and honor the king. This has, this, uh, the writings of honor the emperor, right? Who was the emperor in the days of Peter? It was Herod. No, Nero, I'm sorry, Nero. Nero was him who crucified Peter and, and assassinated, executed Paul. And, and here in the writings of the Bible, he's worthy of honor, a right relationship. First Peter 3, 7 says, husband, honor your wives. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to your wife. I, I, I want to say something, that whenever you have an issue with your wife, it's because you're not honoring her. And all the women say, Amen. come on, sisters, you can say it louder. Amen. When you're not honoring your wife, you're going to have issues. And that's why our pastors here have the, that DNA to make sure that their wives have an expression of joy. It's our example. It's our DNA. Honoring them as a weaker vessel because they are co-heirs, a right relationship to honor our wives causes us to inherit the favor of grace and our prayers are not hindered. So, before I run out of time here, I want to have us really go deep into this. Let's go to Romans 12.10 and we'll finish. Uh, we'll go deep into this, that today is a day to honor our fathers. And primarily, our father in heaven. Secondarily, our biological fathers. Thirdly, our spiritual fathers. There's some of you who haven't been able to ever, and, and this happened last week, a young man came up to me and says, I want to be your son. I've had son issues. I said, cut your hair. You want to be a son? I'm going to treat you like I treat my sons. And then when you start walking in that expression, you're not Ricky Martin's son. You look like him. You're not, you're not a wayward son. You're not doing your own thing. Uh, our, our desire is to produce many sons. That's what a father's heart is. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, in honor giving priority, preference to one another. 
So can we say today that there is a sickness and a plague in the land where men have lost their capacity to honor. Honoring our Father is the first and foremost premise of foundation. When we're able to do that, we're able to be in right relationship with everyone else. Um, Everyone who has an issue with their Father will carry that grudge and that hurt and that pain. Uh, One of the things that that we see in, in the Bible is when Esau... He married to spite his father. And when you see that that attitude, man, that guy bit the bullet. I'm going to go marry a witch to get back at my father. And you see the actions of men who walk like that. I think it's, um, can't find it right now. I'll find it in two seconds. He went off and married wayward daughters to get back at his dad. And and that just speaks of relationships that are unhealthy. What I have coming up a lot is... um, Genesis 28, 9. He's just, he spent his whole life in unhealthy relationships being tossed to and fro. Let's stand this morning. And I believe that God is able to restore Renew, give us an opportunity to, to go deep in our expression. I, I would like to have a button, like that button of gravity, to put gravity in place and everybody's in their chair, not playing around, look proper, look good. I, w- I wish we had a button for honor also, that we could press it and all our relationships would heal. There would be healthy, uh, flourishing um, but you see all this, and, and they're not stuff that you see in the physical because we, we hold a good appearance of everything's okay. But the truth of the matter is we've gone to the root and to the core today because God has been good as a father. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light. And I believe that um, sitting under a men of God like Larry Stockstill and G.F. Watkins and men that know how to honor. It was very unusual that, that Pastor GF was there with his father at his 20th, 20th uh, celebration, 20th anniversary. And uh, we wish, all of us, I think it's true in all of our lives, we wish that 
our father would have, could have, should have, or all the stuff that comes out of a nasty heart. Um, but how this affects our lives is much too important for us to stay in the land of should have, would have, could have. And to be able to say, Lord, perfect in me through your spirit a good heart that I could inherit. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, if we are a son, then we are also heirs. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son walking in the honor, then an heir of God through Christ, you become a powerful force to contend with upon the earth, and no one can take that from you. What's that mean? No one's going to stop my life from honoring my dad and my spiritual fathers and the legacy that we have in Christ. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for Christ Jesus who speaks to us today on how we can live to honor the Father. Restore our hearts from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from roots of bitterness, defilement, words spoken, attitudes harnessed, most oftentimes because of delegated authority, people that are speaking on behalf of the Father, people that are living for the Father's honor, the strife and contentious like, like Lot and his servants that were contending against Abraham in times of prosperity and blessing. They decided to de depart and to be wayward, and they lost. They lost being a prince. They lost the inheritance of a nation. Of a thousand years of blessing. Lord, if we've sown dishonor in the hearts of our children, we repent. We ask for forgiveness because we've been messing with their inheritance. Allow them to give high honor to dad in heaven, to dad upon the earth, to spiritual dads. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our church family, Lord. Restore honor in this house, Lord. Restore honor in our relationships with one another. Let us hold weighty, weighty deference to those who serve together in the house of God. We pray, Father God, that Sowing this seed this day would reap a harvest of glory for your honor. And pray that we would be restored to do all things with high honor over this house. Because you honor those who honor you, Lord. And you despise those and esteem them lightly, Lord, who walk without capacity to honor. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen and amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.